Before I get started this morning, I want you to know one thing. I am so glad you're here this morning. I really am. I'm glad you're here. You might fight, Brother Ken, I feel out of, don't feel out of place. You know, sometimes these buildings seem big, don't they? They just seem big. I never will forget the famous coach at Ohio State many years ago. He went for the first time from a small college to Ohio State, and he was just awed by the stadium. And one day he walked out and he looked around and he was just kind of overwhelmed. And his little boy looked at him and he said, but daddy, the field's the same size. Sometimes we feel a little overwhelmed. But we're here together with God's people. And I'm glad you're here this morning. All week I prepared to preach to you on Romans chapter 12. And at 517 this morning the Lord said, no, that's not it for today. So... I wish he wouldn't do that to me. It really makes me nervous. Uh, But I want to share something else, and and it's for you. I don't know who it is out there, and I don't know, but it's for you this morning. And so I want to share a different passage with you. We're going to look at two or three verses, but we're going to start off in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 3 through 8. I want to talk to you this morning about the second half. Have you ever had a time in life when you failed? Something that you just didn't succeed at. You know, we we like to think in life about our successes, and we should. But there's some things in life that we're going to fail at. We're not going to succeed at everything. Uh, As young athletes, you might be a great baseball player, but you couldn't hit that basketball goal if you shot at it with a sight. Or you may be a great basketball player, but you don't know nothing to do with a baseball bat. Or you may be able to swing a golf club, but you couldn't catch a fish if you tried. There are some things in life that we are good at, that we are successful at, that we're gifted at. And there's some things in life that maybe we're not so good at. And we face failure. Sometimes it's socially, sometimes it's economically. Sometimes it's, it's spiritually. But we face our failures in life. And the question is not whether from time to time we're going to fail at something. The question is, as believers, as children of God, what do we do to overcome that? And what does God's Word teach us about dealing with these types of issues in life? I want to share a couple of verses. One beginning in, in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 30. Beginning with verse 3. Now, I want to give you a little backdrop. David has been basically exiled from Israel. He has a a large following of of soldiers that have stuck with him. He has fought with the Philistines against their enemies. They have gone in battle, and now they're fixing to go against Israel. And the Philistine general says, we don't want you to be a part of this. We don't trust you. And the one that he'd been so faithful to against their enemies had said, listen, you've been good to me, you've been faithful to me, but the rest of them say, you can't go into battle with us. Now, God didn't want him in that battle, quite frankly. And so they were shipped back home to where they lived. A little bit of backdrop. Verse 3. And when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud. 
What's going on? Two things I want you to just notice quickly before we move on. Number one, their wives and their children and their possessions have been taken, kidnapped, and hauled off while they've been away in battle or far battle. His men are so angry with him and so frustrated with him, they they want to rebel and kill their own leader. And David is grieving like all of the rest. What do we do? Defeat. Failure. What does it matter in life if I make everything that I could ever hold in my hands or in the bank if I lose my family? Failure. What does it matter in life if if, if I've got a hundred kids but my wife and I, we just can't get along and, and our marriage is a failure? What happens if if we're passing all our classes, but we just can't handle chemistry? It's a failure. How do we deal with those things in life? We see David. We're going to come back to him. Just hold on there. We're coming back. We see him right now defeated, discouraged, disheartened. Another passage found in Joshua chapter 7. I just want us to notice a few of these stories in Scripture. Joshua chapter 7. They have conquered Jericho. Joshua has turned to his men and said, Well, we face this this little city called Ai. A-I, pronounced Ai. And and his men went out and scouted out, Well, we don't need all the army. Just send two or three thousand and they can handle it. And they send 3,000 troops and they go out to fight the battle and they come back whooped. And Joshua is, is discouraged and disheartened because God had promised to give him success as he sought to fight for the kingdom of God. And he comes before God and he said, Lord, we should have just been content to stay on the other side. God, in short, said to him, get up, for there's, there's sin in the camp. There's a reason for your failure. Another quick passage found in Acts chapter 15. Brother Ken, you're losing this knowledge. Well, just bear with me for a minute. Acts chapter 15, another event. It is the life of the apostle Paul and his missionary friend Barnabas. They have... Finished a missionary journey, they're about to go back. And in, in the 15th chapter, as we come to the end of the chapter, verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them at Pamphylia and had not continued in their work. In short, Paul looked at Barnabas and said, I don't want a quitter on my team. We can all associate with that, can't we? I don't want a quitter on my team. Failure. Failure for John Mark. Failure because he quit along the journey. I'm going to tell you, sometimes we all quit a little bit. We have to go back and kind of regroup the troops, so to speak, emotionally and physically and mentally and say, wait a minute, I don't have to quit. I don't have to give up. With God's help, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? Right? It is later on, in 2 Timothy, Paul writes to his beloved son, the gospel. And he talks about how he's alone and only Luke's with him. And he makes an interesting statement. He says, and bring Mark with you when you come, because he is profitable unto me. 
The same mark he would have nothing to do with a few years earlier. The same mark he didn't want because he was a quitter earlier was the mark he needed today. Second half. It is when we go back in our life and regroup the troops. When we look at our failures and we say to ourselves, I'm not content to remain in my failure. I want to move past this and beyond this and move on. There's victory on the second half, if you will. Jesus said, go tell my disciples and Peter that I go before you into Galilee. Even Peter failed, right? You know the story. I don't have to reiterate it. Two centuries ago, he was a young man born in poverty. His mother died when he was born or just a baby. He had little opportunity for formal education. He went into business, but a lousy partner robbed him blind, and they went bankrupt. He later fell in love with a young lady, and she died. They never got to get married. He married later and lived in an unhappy marriage the rest of his life. He ran for Congress, was elected. He ran again and was defeated. He tried to be a lecturer, and he failed. He ran for the Senate and was defeated. He ran for vice president and was defeated. But none of those things are for which we remember him. Not all those failures. We remember him because he became the 16th president of the United States. Became probably one of the greatest Americans to ever live. Named Abraham Lincoln. It is not our failures that have to define us. Even the greatest of saints in Scripture had their moments of failure. Why do we fail? Sometimes it's my own fault. Sometimes it's our own fault. It may be shabby preparation. We fail as Christians sometimes. It may be lack of discipline. If you want to be an athlete, you're going to fail if you don't discipline yourself. You've got to have a plan, a physical discipline. It may be insufficient skill. I love to play ball like most kids. Had a little success. But if I ever thought I was going to be a professional athlete, I had dreams that didn't belong. You know what I'm saying? Insufficient skill. It may be a lack of dedication to my task. It may be carelessness with the details that help us to be successful. Sometimes we do our best and we still fail and that hurts our ego. The Lord looked at Joshua and said, Son, there's sin in the camp and that needs to be addressed. And so it would be. Someone had sinned and broken the commitment to God and because of that, God had allowed them to fail. The real question is, what will we do with our failure? Will it conquer you? Will it overcome you? And will it cripple you when you fail at something in life? When do we let failures defeat us? That's up to us. Folks, if we live long enough, we're going to fail at something. We may succeed at 98% of everything we attempt, but we will fail at something. And I think it's better to learn that early on. 
like so many of you, I remember coaching ball and uh, in Little League, as we called it in those days. T-ball, whatever it may be. And I learned something for those kids. I learned that it was good for them every now and then, at least, to lose. They had to learn in life that no matter how talented you are, no matter how gifted you are, you've got to learn how to deal with failure as well as success. We learn from our failures. We have all failed at something. It may be in our social life, our business life, our spiritual life, or maybe our home life. But we mishandle failure in many ways. And I want us to look at a little of this before we look at the cure, if you will. I appreciated what Yogi Bear once said. Yogi Bear, when he was being interviewed during a so-called batting slump. The interviewer asked him, he said, oh, the reporter says, are you in a slump? His response was, I ain't in no slump. I just ain't hitting. Now, I appreciate that. That's just old plain honesty. We mishandle failure when we make it an excuse or an alibi. I didn't make the team because the coach didn't like me. Have you ever heard that one? Or I didn't pass the test because the teacher's too hard. She may be hard. Our church doesn't baptize more because our field's too hard. None of us got excuses. We mishandle failure when we use it for an alibi to make excuses. We mishandle failure when we become discouraged and give up and quit. The devil has many tools, one writer once said, but the handle that fits them all is discouragement. There's a fellow by the name of Max Carey. Max Carey had the greatest proficiency for stealing bases in baseball anybody ever lived. But you've never heard of Max Carey, most probably. He had a 96 percentile. One year, he tried to steal 53 bases and stole 51 of them. That's pretty good options, isn't it? But what we do remember is a fellow by the name of Ty Cobb because he stole more bases at least in that time than anybody else. He stole 96 in one year. But the reason he has the record is because he tried 134 times. You see, he wasn't afraid to try. And the issue is, too many times in life we quit and we give up because we're afraid to try. We might fail. Guys, this is as true in our spiritual life as it is in the rest of our life. If we try and fail, we give up and quit. We must not give up our efforts. We mishandle failure when we become discouraged and give up and quit. Elijah was God's great champion. He had faced Israel's king, Ahab, the wicked king. He had faced all of his wicked prophets. But when Jezebel said, I'll have your head by tomorrow, he ran like a scared chicken. He hid in a cave. And he whined before God, God, there ain't nobody left that loves you. 
God called him on the platform, so to speak. He said, what are you doing here? He said, there are more than 3,000 knees in Israel has not bailed, bowed to Baal. In short, God said to Elijah, get up and get at it. I got work for you to do. And he did. Gaza wasn't through with Elijah. God had important tasks that lay ahead for Elijah. He would anoint a king. He would train his predecessor. He would go on to be the one that would be carried to heaven in a chariot of fire. And when Jesus needed encouragement before he would face the cross, it would be him and Moses that would be sent back to earth to be on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus in that moment experience. God wasn't through with Elijah. And I'm convinced he is not through with us. We mishandle failure when we wallow in self-pity. When we sit in the corner and feel sorry for ourselves, nobody likes a 40-year-old crybaby. Or 50 or 60 or 30. God said to Moses, get up and bid the people go forward as he faced the Red Sea. David and his family, they were gone. Go back with me to that passage in Samuel, would you? I want you to remember this. 1 Samuel chapter 30. So David, verse 4, and his men wept. I want to pick up. Verse 6, it says, And David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. And each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abathar, the priest, the son of Amalek, Bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And God said, Yes. So David got his few hundred troops together and he went after a much massive, larger enemy to get his family back. And God had it all in plan. Because when he got there, they were having a drunken, oh well. And not only did they conquer them, but they brought back every man, woman, and child, and God gave them the victory. What if they had just stayed there and cried? What if they had just thrown up their hands and quit? Some of us are like that with our spiritual families that are lost. Well, I've been trying for three years to get them to come to church. I've been trying to invite them to Christ. been trying to reach them. Folks, we just throw up our hands and quit. Just let the enemy take them and go on. We inquire of the Lord. We do our part. We pray for God to put other people along their pathway that will help them find our wonderful Savior. We mishandle failure when we wallow in self-pity. How can we rise above our failures? We must learn from them and go on. When Jesus ran into the woman at the whale in Samaria, her life was a wreck. She'd been married seven times and she still hadn't found the right one. And she was just living with number eight. 
when Jesus confronted her that day and told her how much he loved her and how she could have the water of life, her whole world changed. She became the missionary of Samaria. She may have had some failures in her life, but her life wasn't over. The second chapter was yet to be written. And what I want you to take from this this morning as we turn to the Lord and seek His guidance and His direction and His courage for the days that lay ahead that the second chapter has not yet been written. And with His help, you and I, we can't erase mistakes of the past, but we can pick up and learn from them and move on. Our Lord did not teach us to live in defeat. He came to Peter after he denied him three times and he challenged him. Do you love me, Peter? He says, yes, Lord. Three times he asked him that question. A little bit discouraging, but it awoken Peter to realize, yes, the commitment I'm making is real. The best thing about failure is it makes us teachable. You know, the problem with most of us so many times in life, we can't learn because we already have all the answers, right? I already know. Do we? Failure brings us wisdom. Edison had tried to make a light bulb over a hundred times. It just wouldn't work. So he quit, right? Don't look like it. He said, I learned from my mistakes. Failure can teach us patience and perseverance. God told Elijah to get up and get back to work. Great people, folks, are just ordinary people with extraordinary determination. That will not give up and will not quit. Failure teaches us to rethink our goals. Sometimes we fail because we are unrealistic about the things for which we reach. There's some things God never intended me or you to be. That's not what we need to be. We need to seek His leadership and direction and follow it. Because He's got a plan. A whole lot bigger and a whole lot better than what we can imagine for our lives. Failure can be God's way of closing a door that He might open another. It brings wisdom. It teaches perseverance, and it helps us rethink our goals. C.S. Lewis said this about Satan's strategy. If he can get Christians to be preoccupied with their failures, from then on, the battle is won. Think about it. If all we do is sit around and think about how I've failed, how do I move forward? God says, I still love you, still need you, and I can still use you. That's what he was saying to Peter. That's what he was saying to the rest of these guys. You know, we all realize Babe Ruth, for many years, was the king of home runs, 714. But we don't stop to think that he struck out 1,330 times to get there. We don't always get it right. But as we put our hearts and our lives in the hands of God, as we acknowledge where we fall short, 
our Lord can help us to move forward. The only problem is we have to admit some things sometimes. Sometimes we have to admit there's some things that we're not good at. But that don't mean we can't get better. And that doesn't mean that if we put it in God's hands, God can't help us to succeed at the important things of life. Let's go, the Lord, in order to pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us. And I thank you, Lord, that you're here to guide us, to direct us, to give us courage to trust you, to follow you, and to walk with you. Be with us, Lord, this morning. If there's a heart that's struggling as a parent, as a spouse, as a student, as a worker, Father, be with us that we might place our concerns and our sense of failures before you and draw courage from you that you might help us to succeed at the task that are important to you, Lord. Guide us. Lord, if there's one here today that's never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, may this be their greatest day of success. We ask these things, Lord, in Christ's name.